10, it says, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, or the four beasts, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, and they, speaking about the 24 elders, the believers of all time that are in the presence of God at the throne, says, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And look at this word. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Father, as Brian prayed, as Craig prayed, as all people have prayed, God, it's all about you today. It's not about us. It's all about you. And God, I pray that we would be able to hear your voice of what you have said about us, what you have named us, what you've called us. And God, let us find comfort one more time in the throne room. God, I pray that, that, Lord, this is all you because you know in my mind I want to move on. I want to go forward and I want to go through. God, you keep drawing us back and drawing us back and drawing us back. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, your name would be lifted up. The name of Jesus Christ would be glorified. And as a friend Fred Luter says, that Satan would be horrified about what's about to take place with him. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Listen, I... I I've always loved the Old Testament. Well, I, let, me, let me take that back. I really have not always loved the Old Testament. Uh, I actually fell in love with the Old Testament when I began reading the New Testament as a brand new Christian. And I would read, well, I was first told to read the book of John when I got saved. And then I moved in to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then we moved into the church, you know, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the New Testament church. And then we move from there on into Romans and understanding that the book of Romans is actually should be titled this, The Doctrine of Salvation. It teaches all the people of the world how to be saved. Some of our greatest gospel scriptures that we share with people how to be saved are found where? In the book of Romans. Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 and 8. He commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. What? That we believe with our heart confess with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, we will, we shall be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Then you move into the epistles of Paul going even further and go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and understand that there's things that the church should be listening to and obeying. That we should be listening to what is said to the New Testament churches such as Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae. All those books, Galatians and Philippians and, and Colossians, all these things are spoken to churches, believers, and we should be living in a way that's pleasing and holy to God. And so when you look at that, I fell so in love with the Old Testament after reading the New Testament because it was like I understood the book of Hebrews that said all of those things that were written in the past were a shadow of the things to come. You know what I mean? A shadow of those things that are coming about. And there's nothing greater than living or setting out underneath the shade tree, right? But sometimes, especially when it's cold outside or when, whenever it just seems like you need to warm up a little bit, it's nothing greater than getting out of the shade and just standing in the sun. But on a hot, sunny day, what's great is staying in the shade. So we need both of them. And don't misunderstand me this morning when I say this. It's not that I don't like the New Testament. I fell in love with the New Testament so much that I understood the Old Testament. That all of these images and all of this symbolism and all of this imagery and metaphors and all of these things, the things about the tabernacle, the things about the temple happen. And this is my desire as a church, as a pastor and as a person. 
I want to build like a tabernacle. Not because I think I have to build a tabernacle in order for us to go to heaven, but I'd like to build a tabernacle and uh, out in the field somewhere so that I could be able to have an event where we would preach to it. I would love to walk people, especially believers today, walk them through the tabernacle while, while, while Brother Craig, we'll call him our, our high priest of that day, okay? And he's over there offering a sacrifice, and it's going up, and, and the incense and the smell and all. I would love to walk people through that. I, I love those stories about it all. And I can't get over, Brother Bo, in the book of Revelation chapter number 5 where the Bible says, that the four living creatures, the 24 elders, it says that they all had golden bowls, golden vials. They had bowls that had a hot coal sensor in there. It was a fire in there, but it also had incense in there. And that it was going up to the Lord as a sweet smell. It was going up, and it was the prayers of the saints of God. It's all of us. It's all of our prayers. It's when you've said, Lord, please heal my mom. Lord, please save my son or my daughter. Lord, please help us through this situation. Every one of the prayers that you offered are actually symbolized right here that all of them are going before the Lord. But it doesn't mean that we have to pray to these 24 elders or the saints of God. We don't pray as some people try to teach that we pray to St. Timothy if we've got stomach issues because we don't have to pray to Timothy. The Bible says we have now been given what's called a priesthood access to go boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Amen? And what that means is, is that you don't have to tell me. It's if you want to share your faults or your burdens with me, yes, that's fine. But there's no longer am I your mediator between God and yourself. The Bible says now there's only one mediator between God and man, mankind and humanity, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the one. That's why we have moved into the place of the New Testament that Jesus says, whatsoever you ask in my name, it shall be given. And Scripture has to flow with Scripture. From Old Testament to New Testament, things have to come together. And when Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be given unto you, those disciples, Brother Matt, that were around him that day didn't fully understand those things until what? He being our high priest, as the book of Hebrews tells us, and the Bible teaches us also, not only was our high priest, but Hebrews also tells us that he was our supreme sacrifice. And you say, well, see, how could you be high priest and sacrifice all in the same? Yes, it's, it's a wonderful mystery, isn't it, that you could be high priest and the highest sacrifice all in the same. Just as it's a mystery that you could be the Son of Man and the Son of God in the same. Amen? That you could actually be on this earth without ever having an intercourse of, uh, of sexual nature and that you were conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Amen? And that here that He is today, it was a wonderful miracle and the salvation of God is supposed to be that way. You're not supposed to look at things that you can't figure out. Like, you know, uh, you get $10 credit on your, your light bill this week, all right? And you go over there and you know, well, God works in mysterious ways. Don't twist that scripture. <laughs> that scripture's not always talking about, you know, the old Monopoly scenario where you collect $100 from the bank here or you get $150 because of this. What it's talking about is that your ways are not God's ways. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts, for His ways are much higher than your ways, and His thoughts are much higher than your ways, is what the book of Isaiah tells us. We don't think like God. We want to think that we uh, can sometimes, and that we have the right discernment sometimes. The only way that you have the right discernment, Brother David, is if you have sought the Lord for His discernment in the things that you need to address in your life. <clears throat> well, in saying that, imagine these people. There they are with the incense, and they're going before the Lord, and they're the prayers of the saints. 
And the prayers of God are coming up. I actually heard a story a long time ago about how a man wanted to actually uh, imitate this. And he wanted to do this in the service. And he wanted to have some incense pots. And the preacher was preaching. You know, he said, listen, he got some deacons and told the deacons, he said, I got some, I got some bowls downstairs and I've got the incense ready. All you have to do is you, you just light those things and you'll be able. He said, whenever I get to preaching, I talk about the prayers of the saints. And I'm hammering down on it. He said, I want you two guys to walk in with those incense pots. He said, those people won't even know what hit them. He said, it would be great. He said, that smell will fill that room, you know. And so, preacher's up there preaching. They've got time. Deacons went downstairs to look for it, and they couldn't find the bowls. They found the incense and the lighter, and they found all the things they needed. Couldn't find the bowls for it. So they worried, and the preacher's up there going, about the incense pots. And he gets so excited that he even starts singing. He's talking about the incense pots. You know, he's excited. So don't, don't beat me to this, okay? And all of a sudden, they were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they scrounge around, and they're looking, and they, all they could find is old paint cans from when they had a work day. And so they poured the paint out of the paint cans, you know, the rest of it, and they put those incense in there, and, and Ross and, and uh, <laughs> Rob came in, you know, and they had those incense, and they were burning in there, you know. And he says, when they walked in, the preacher's going, incense pots, and all of a sudden, these two guys come in with their hands all bandaged up and, and just... Out like that with paint on their face. And the preacher goes, what's done happened to my incense pods? And they said, we, we threw them out the window when the bottom got hot. <laughs> right? Can't have a paint can, amen. All of that scene, <laughs> trying to do it. And I got other stories too. They're, none of them's really as good as those. But I want you to understand that God said something to you in this scripture. When he talks about the incense pots being those prayers of the saints, he's talking about the saints of God themselves. Not you praying to saints in order for your prayers to be answered, but he is saying this, that every one of them, each elder, 24 elder representing Old Testament, New Testament believers, each of them had those bowls or vials full of incense which were full of odors, which were the prayers of the saints. What it's talking about is that now you believers, you believers don't need me to pray for you. You don't need me to be a mediator. But what that represents is that all believers have the access and the wonderful grace of God to boldly come to the throne and to offer their prayers. It's not that you need someone at 3.30 in the morning. It's not that you need someone because you can't figure out what to say. It is what you need to do is open up your heart and allow the things to come out of your mouth. I asked prayer from one of my preacher friends this morning. And I said, pray that God would help me to focus. And evidently, he needs to pray harder because of that joke, right? But I said, pray that God would help me focus. I got a lot of things on my mind and need to focus. He said, God's already given you the message. You just need to mash play. And see, church, the thing is, is God's already given you access. What you need to do is just simply open up your mouth and talk to him. You need to say, God, here is where I'm at. Lord, here is where I'm at. Here is what I need. Lord, here is my petition. If it's a, if it's a request for something, for help, for healing, for a need, or if it's just simply to bring an incense to say, God, I come with thanksgiving today. You know that David was a singer. David was one that played the harp in the Bible. You know, he wrote psalms and wrote many of the psalms, and those psalms are, are songs of praise, hymns of praise that come out. 
And many times he talks about how what? That he was one that was able to go before and he would sing out his praises. He was talking about things. Let me, let me tell you about something that's called the priesthood of the believer today. Is that the Bible says that when we are saved and we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, Hebrews tells us that he's our high priest. But it also says in the book of Revelation, look at verse number 10 of chapter 5. It tells us that he has made us unto our God kings and priests. It says, church, in that scripture, it also carries this meaning. When you look at it, it says, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. That word king there is not talking about a royal king as a capital K king, as though you have your own kingdom. But what it represents, it puts this word together that is the word in the Greek that means kingdom and king at the same time. You say, really, Steve, I don't like it when it does that. I love it when it does that because it shows us the meaning. You remember when Jesus was resurrected and the Bible says Mary Magdalene stayed outside of the sepulcher or the tomb? The Bible says that whenever she didn't know that he was Jesus himself, she thought he was the gardener, but whenever Jesus said unto her one simple thing, Mary, that she turned and saw him and realized that it was Jesus, do you remember the word that she chose to use? In your Bibles, it's translated as my great master. She said Rabboni, which is to say my great master. And really, when you say that, it's not enough to say that because she took three words in that language and wrapped them all up to say that word. She took the word rabbi, which means to be a teacher. She took the word rabbon, which means to be great, a great teacher. And she took the word rabbis, which means, not rabies, it means, it means something different, but it means rabies, which was to be a wonderful and caring teacher. She took all those words and called him rabboni. What she did was when she addressed Jesus, she was simply saying this, not my great master alone, but she was saying, my everything that I've ever looked for in all of these three, you, Jesus, wrap them all up together. And in this word here about the kings that he has made us unto our God, kings and priests, your Bible may have it translated as, as unto our God, given us a kingdom, and made us priests, but that's not what the scriptures teach. In the Greek, it means that Brother Craig, he took the word king, and he took the word kingdom, and he overlaid them together in order to give us this meaning, that we are not the king of our own kingdom, but we are rulers and have authority in kingship underneath God in his great and wonderful kingdom. Amen? Patty, come here. Go, go to my office and look in my room, in my office in there, and there's a Shepherd took in a big old stick, a staff. I'm about to wake some people up. Listen, the Bible says, first of all, this, that priests, understanding Old Testament, New Testament priests, number one, get this in your mind, they were chosen by God. Now, before you jump on the bandwagon of selectivism and being chosen in Calvinism, that's not what that means. They were not the only people chosen to salvation. God has chosen all people to salvation. When he chose the priesthood, he chose out of the tribe of Levi that this would be my priesthood. Out of the tribe of Judah, these would be my kings. Out of the tribe of Benjamin, these would be Benjamin Ephratah. You remember? He said, you were small, insignificant, but out of that tribe, amen, would come out of Bethlehem. All down there, I can't go that far, all right? But all this stuff, God basically did this. When he grabbed the nation of Israel... He said, you're going to be starting guard. You're going to be starting tackle. You're going to be kickoff return. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. He was telling them, I've chosen you to do this. You need to focus on being the priests 
And you're going to be offering the sacrifices. You're going to be doing these works before me. And you're going to be ministering unto me on behalf of the other people. And the reason that God chose it that way in the Old Testament was because everyone didn't have that opportunity to go and to live their lives doing the sacrifices, trimming the wicks, and going in and making sure the bread was on the table of showbread. Let's get that bad boy out right now. Those of you sitting on the front, I'm just kidding. I need it for later on. But he said going to choose you all to do this because every person in the tribe had a job to do. Every person that was there had a position that they held in order to do what? So that this tribe would not lack in something while they were accomplishing their work they needed to do. That's exactly in the same sense of the way sports are designed. It's very difficult for someone to play first base, second base, shortstop, and third base can't do that no matter how good you think you are you can't do that what do you need you need the person at first and who's going to be the person at first if we could ask Abbott and Costello right who's at first <laughs> what's on second no but only the only the older people are laughing at that these younger kids are like what are you talking about you know I'll have to bring some other kind of illustration in but the first baseman on the baseball team is obviously somebody that can catch the ball I mean, I watched Patty play softball, and the girl that played first base for softball, she could do the splits, and that had to be a requirement. It had to be a requirement because I saw her do it over and over and over. She could stretch out, and her leg, it was like she was stretch arm strong. She could stretch out so far and do the splits and catch the ball. Like, Patty, why don't you play that? Because I can't do that. Right? The tribes of Israel were designed, and God did it in a beautiful way to do what? So that you would focus on this... And you wouldn't lack, but while you're focusing on this strength, this other tribe is focusing on this strength. But we need everyone to play along together. And one of the worst ones was the tribe of Dan. <laughs> we have some Dans among us here today. Uh, the worst ones were from the tribe of Dan because they brought the children of Israel into idolatry and wrong things. They had to be chosen. Listen, the priest's three jobs, and I'm going to move quick. The priest's three jobs were to do this. Number one, the priest must first obtain salvation for themselves. See, they weren't chosen to be priests, and God said, I'm going to select you, and you're automatically saved. It's not what the Scriptures teach at all. Just because they were born in the tribe of Levi, that did not make them saved and in God's salvation. There were priests, and there are priests that were of the children of Israel that are in hell today. You say, who? Phineas and Hophni, right? They were the sons of Eli that committed horrible sins at the house of God. Yes, and they died without God. See, just because they were born into the priesthood and chosen by God to be the people that would be the priesthood, that did not make them automatically saved. What I'm trying to say is, is just because your mom and daddy goes to church and your grandmother and your grandfather founded a church, that does not mean that you're saved. That does not mean anything at all. Just because your wife comes to church and you come occasionally, or just because your husband comes and you come occasionally, that doesn't make you saved. Just because you were born and you have this name that you carry around with you, and it's a name that is, is echoed through the halls of Christianity, that doesn't mean anything to God. See, because every single priest had to first offer sacrifice and obtain salvation for themselves. Every year at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the Bible calls it, in the Jewish term is Yom Kippur, every single year the high priest, before he could ever offer a sacrifice for the sins of all the people, he had to go alone himself and offer sacrifice 
for his sin. You know why? Because he is fallible. He is human. He is sinful. He is fleshly. And he had to offer sin for himself first. Church, they had to obtain salvation first before they could do this next thing. The priest's second position in their walk and in their calling was is that they were the ones that were offering salvation. After they obtained salvation for themselves, they in turn now offered salvation unto all the children of Israel. You say, what do you mean, Brother Steve? They gave them? No, 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 no. They offered it to them. They could not make them be saved or be a believer. The children of Israel, read the book of Numbers if you ever want to understand this. They were all brought out of Egypt, which is a very wonderful illustration of us being brought out of sin. And also, when they were brought out of sin, they constantly looked back to sin. They were always murmuring and griping about why are we out here when we have nothing to eat when we could be in Egypt, at least eating taters and garlic. We could be doing those things back there. Why are we out here? Why are we suffering? God's brought us out here. In the book of Numbers, you know what happened? Because of their disbelief, many of them died in the wilderness, never entering in to the blessings of God. Never entering into Canaan land and never entering into God's holy presence either because they were unbelievers. Just because they were born a Jew did not mean that they did not need salvation. But see, God designed it that he gave them people that were called priests. They were even called a priesthood. And as they were called a priesthood, what it was is that they were the ones that were daily offering salvation, repentance, forgiveness of sins, daily to Brother Brian. What had to happen in the Old Testament is Brother Brian would take his family. When he sinned, as we know he would, as Ashley sinned, as we know she would, as the kids sinned, as they know, we know all, because why? All the sin comes short of the glory of God. Not because they're born, but because they sin, because they're in the flesh. Brian would have to come, Brother Edward, daily. He would have to come and offer sacrifice for his sin. But God designed it, Brother Greg, in a way where Brian couldn't do it because it had to be done in the most holiest and respectful way. So God said, Aaron and all of your sons, I'm choosing you, not to salvation. I've chosen everybody to salvation, even to the Gentile. He said, but what I'm choosing you to do is that you're going to be my mediator. You're going to take those people as they place their hand on that animal. You are actually going to be ministering the work of the Lord. You're going to take that animal and you're going to sacrifice that animal, which actually means to slice the throat says you're going to drain that blood and you're going to take that precious blood and you're going to present it to me in a special way. He said there's going to be times, Miss Martha, that they're going to sprinkle it. He said sometimes you're going to dip it. He said sometimes you're going to pour that blood. There were times that they had to dip their finger and then they would put it on the horns of the altar inside that golden altar on the inside. There were times that the leper would come up and go, what do I need to do in order to be pronounced clean so that I can go back and be with my family again? And they said, you must go and show yourself to the priest. And the priest had the office of God and Brother Matt, he would look that leper over and he would look at how the flesh was, if it had turned white, if it had dried up and did these things, and he would declare him clean. He would take all of those clothes Priests would gather all this stuff. They'd get these things together, and they would go outside of the camp, and they would burn all those dead clothes, which is a great illustration of taking off the old man and getting rid of it, amen? And he would go over there, and the priest would say, okay, you stand before God, and you face this way, and your back will be against me. And he was declared to take two birds, to kill one of them by drowning it in a bowl that had water in it, then to take that dead bird and to drain the blood and put it in another bowl, to take that other bird that was still alive, to put it in his right hand, and to put a piece of cedar wood 
and a piece of hyssop and a piece of scarlet cloth and he was told to take all of those items and to put that blood and put them down in there and to swirl that blood and he was to pronounce it and as he was speaking the word of God on that leper he was sprinkling the blood on the back of that leper there were times that he told him to take that blood brother Edward that was a basin that was rounded on the bottom don't put it down don't make them with a square bottom because it's precious blood and it shouldn't be put on the ground and it shouldn't be tra uh, tra uh, trampled over and spilled. You hold that blood whenever you have it. And he was told to go out there before the altar of God, the brazen altar, and to take that blood, Jacob, and he was to pour it around this horn of the altar and pour it around this horn of the altar. God chose those priests to do those special things because it was too difficult for the fleshly people of Israel to do these things. And God said, you priesthood are going to be attached. The word actually means in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic, it means to be stapled to the work of God. You are going to be the ones that do that. They obtained salvation first. Did all that stuff for themselves first, every day. Second of all, they offered salvation to all of the people. Whenever they had sinned, they came to him. Do you think God will hear me? Brother David, if you were a priest, do you think God, you think God will forgive my sin? Do you think God will hear me? And the people would be concerned. They would go back to their tents as they were set up three tribes on this side, three tribes on the north, and three, three tribes on the east, and three tribes on the south. And they would go back to their tent, Brother Edward, and those men would go, oh, I hope God forgives me. I hope God's forgiven me. Brother Brian, also hoping that that priest is right with God and that he is giving the sacrifice in the right way that God asked it. See, they were special people. They were called priests or the priesthood. But then the Bible says, last of all this, that they were never called to observe salvation. No, they were called to serve. They were not called to observe, but to serve. When looking at the scripture again, look at Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 10. The Bible says he has made us unto our God kings and priests. He has made us unto our God kings and priests. Made us. This is not talking about God selected you to be saved. He's talking about, Sister Julie, people that are saved. They are believers already. This is talking about believers. And he says that he has given us a position, made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There will be a day that we will. We won't reign in our own kingdom, Brother John, but we will reign and we will rule in his kingdom. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Someday, as a matter of fact, about a thousand years, we will have a wonderful, peaceful earth someday after sin is destroyed, and we will be as kings and priests in the kingdom of God. Listen, church, I'm, I'm going to give you some scriptures real quick. If you just want to write the, the reference down, that would be great. But listen, we've got to understand in this type of priesthood the door and the veil that was opened up. Listen to Luke 23, verses 44 through verse 47. Luke 23, 44. It says, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. 
Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Matthew said that the centurion soldier said, truly this was the Son of God. Brother Mitch, you know what it's talking about? When you look back in the beginning of that verse that we read, it actually says that the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Matthew chapter 20, uh, I think it's 23 says, from the top to the bottom it was torn, knowing that God tore that. You know why that was opened up? It was opened up because when Jesus Christ died as our ultimate sacrifice, God done away with the priesthood. And you say, well, Steve, you jumped to conclusions now. That's just wrong. No, 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 no. If you go back and look at the Levitical law, the Bible says that any priest that would tear their garments, Brother Cody, they, they wore a garment that was sewn all the way to the top. It was one piece of garment that was sewn together. It was one thing. It wasn't multiple. But whenever in the book of Leviticus it says that when they act out of anger and they react out of their own pride, it says that their garment was not to be rent. Okay, you know what that means is? It's not in our words today that nobody could borrow it or pay them some money for it. All right? Not that kind of rent. It was talking about it could not be torn. And it says to the priest that does tear that, then his office of priesthood would be removed. The Bible teaches us that when Caiaphas, the high priest, during the trial interviewing Jesus and trying to bring false accusations against him, the Bible says that whenever they said, are you the Messiah, are you the Son of God, are you the Christ, are you the Mashiach, are you the Anointed One, that's what those words mean. He said, are you that? And he said, I tell you that you shall see the Son of Man coming someday, amen. And he's talking about his kingdom that would come. The Bible says that that high priest took his garment and that he ripped his garment. And that is an actual showing proof that he was saying the priesthood is done, amen. It is over with. It is finished because we no longer need one man or two men or three men or four men to speak on our behalf to God. We have the high priest Jesus that whatever we ask in his name, it shall be given. Amen. So the Bible teaches us that that priesthood was eliminated, but it was also turned around, Charlie, and given to your own self. Not that you, I come to you and you talk to God for me, but that you have that right as a priest your own self. Amen. I don't know if y'all like that or not, but I think that was really good of God because you know what? That means that I can have access 24-7. No matter the time, no matter the problem, if I'm in a nursing home or if I'm in a waiting room or if I'm on a hospital bed, I got access to say, hey, Lord, please help me. Amen. Listen, hang with me for just a little bit. Listen, the Bible says that we have this because the doorway or the veil was torn. It, what that means is, is since God torn the veil, the veil was so thick, church, in uh, Herod's temple that no man could have done that. And even, Brother Keith, if that wasn't enough, it teaches us that no man could have actually done it because it wasn't torn, Brother Edward, from the bottom up as though two men would rip it from the bottom and stretch that thing out like a shower curtain. It says it was torn from the top down to the bottom, which means God's the one that did the ripping. What God did is said, hey, you can come to me. Why, 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 Brother Steve? Because Jesus being the Son of Man, that was tempted in all points like as you and I, but he was without sin. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest. He is, amen, he's like the old WWF wrestler. He's the ultimate warrior. He's all of it. And God said because he was perfect in his sacrifice, and he is perfect in presenting it and giving it, you all now have access to me through my son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes, amen. That's what the scriptures teach. Listen, we have it because he's a high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, as if we didn't know it was him. 
He said, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What it means is that does not understand our weaknesses. It says, but in all points was tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Write this other scripture down there in your Bible or in your notes. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. There is only one mediator now between God and humanity. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all people, all men. He said, for kings we should pray for, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth or of the truth. All men to be saved. Amen. And it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Church, we are now given this title as kings and priests unto God. If you would look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. It says, you are also, what? Lively stones. Built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. I told you so. To offer up spiritual sacrifices yourselves. Acceptable unto God. How? By Jesus Christ. He said, wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him... Do not be confounded or confused. Look at what it says. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed or they rejected, says the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But look at this part. But. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you ever heard of what we, what we call hinges? Like even a butt hinge, they call it a hinge. You know, sometimes we walk up to a house and look, boy, that's a magnificent door, but you don't understand that it's hanging on a hinge. You know what? Doors are pretty, but the hinges are the reason that they're hanging. This next scripture is going to be good, but if it wasn't for the butt, wasn't for that hinge tying it all together, it really don't make a whole lot of sense. But look, the Bible says, but you are a chosen generation. And what it means is, is that you have been chosen by God as a what? As a race, as a whole people. Red, yellow, black, white, brown, purple, green, ugly, fat, skinny, tall, short. It doesn't matter. He says those that have come to Christ and believed in him, we are a chosen generation of what? Look at what it says, royal priesthood. A holy nation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says, which in times past were not a people, but now are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Over and over and over, but, 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 God's made us kings. <clears throat> this was made for me. I think it was, uh, it may have been found by a friend here, uh, Brother Jeremy, but a friend of mine, Brother Heath, made it for me. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know why people want to make things like this for me unless they just think I'm old and I need it. But I did dress up like Moses one day here at the church and had a staff, and he, he wanted to make that, and I, and I think that, um, somebody got on here, it might have been Miss Rhonda or somebody, but they put Holy Spirit and God and Jesus there, and then they put Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Matthew 25, 34 through 40. They put the things on there. It, it's really neat. If you look at it, they burnt the, it was a stick that actually grew up with the vines, 
and uh, the vines were choking it down, and they went and burned it out and stuff. And uh, so I keep it in my office, thinking maybe someday I'll need it. You know, these kids that run around here and not need some help. I keep it in there. Um, going eventually, when I have to use it, I'm gonna put me a rubber stop on the bottom, so it won't slip. But I want I want to tell you a story that I heard uh, a preacher the other day give an illustration. So I went and researched it and read the whole story about this guy. Uh, most of you may remember it. You'll remember it in a minute when I begin to tell you. But a guy by the name of uh, he was a missionary. He was Scottish. Um, he was a doctor, but his name was Dr. David Livingston. Um, a lot of people may remember Dr. Le- David Livingstone. And I, and I was asking my kids about it. You ever heard the story? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you don't know nothing. And uh, y'all ever listen in like history or any kind of classes like that? And um, everybody knows about him. Why? Because most of the time you hear about uh, Livingston, I presume, you know, the story like that. And what it was was a guy by the name of uh, Henry Stanley uh, something or another in 1870. Uh, one, went out looking for Dr. David Livingstone. Uh, he was a missionary that took off in 1840, and he went to Africa. And he wanted to share the gospel of Jesus with as many people as he could. He wanted to affect that whole country of Africa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he went out there, the first thing he started doing, which is really cool, he was, he was just healing some people, bandaging some people up, treating fevers, doing other things like that. But he realized that what God gave him as being a doctor would help open the door to share the gospel with people. Uh, sort of like what we would call medical missions today that happen. So Mr. Livingston went down through Africa, and his prayer was that he wanted to go into the deep central part of Africa. During that time, the 1840s and 1800s, it was like a huge civil tribal war that was going on, and they were fighting with one another. They would not allow any other person from other tribes to come into that area of Africa. And they especially would not let a white Scottish man come into that area. They would kill him. But Livingston had an opportunity one time to meet one of the greatest, uh, what they would call a king tribal, royal tribal leader. And uh, when he met him, he was told, he said, listen, you'll have to trade something to him. You'll have to swap something in order to get any kind of information. And Livingston's prayer was that I just, if I could get to the heart of this country, then I could be able to reach the people. And so what happened is they said that when you bring all of your stuff before this king, kingly tribal leader, he said, took his watch off and he would lay it down on the ground. They put a blanket on the ground, he took his watch off and he laid it on the ground. He took his rings off, he took his, his uh, pocket watch that he had. He laid all of these things, all of his possessions out in front of this tribal leader. Uh, he took a goat that he had and he staked the goat up over there and all of these things and all this stuff was laid out there, and then the tribal leader came in. Whenever that leader came, Brother Anthony, he, he looked, and he said, whatever he points at is what he will want, and you'll have to give him that. So Dr. David Livingstone was standing there and was just waiting and was also in his mind praying, please don't get my goat. Please don't take my goat. And the whole thing was serious because he had uh, issues with his stomach, possibly Crohn's. He had something wrong with his stomach, and he could not drink the water there uh, unless it was boiled but he didn't always have opportunity brother matt to be able to have the water boiled and so what he did he had that goat and so if he could not get his hands on water then he would drink the goat's milk in order for his survival so in his mind he's playing it out brother craig and he's going lord let him get whatever don't let him get my goat we don't want nobody to get our goat right don't let him get our goat 
And the story is told that immediately when the tribal king looked at it, he pointed straight to the goat. And they said that his face, just countenance, was just like, but that David Livingston said, take it. And then all of a sudden that king, that tribal leader gave, you got to get this, turned around and gave Dr. David Livingston a stick. And the stick had two points, it curved down, and it had carvings on it and stuff like that, gave him a stick. And it said that he gathered up all of his things, all of his watch, put his pocket watch back in his pocket, he gathered up all the stuff, and that he went to his tent. As David Livingston was writing in his journal, he was just so discouraged because how am I going to survive, God? How am I going to make a journey to be able to go into this country and share the gospel? And now my goat is gone. I'm not going to be able to have anything at all. He said the next day while he was talking about it with one of his leaders that helped him out, said that leader looked at him and said, what's wrong with you, Dr. Livingston? What is wrong with you? Why, why are you so upset about the goat? And he was saying in a, not in a hateful way, but in a discouraging way, he said, I needed that goat. That goat had milk, and that's what I needed. And why would God let him take my goat? And all I got was this stick. He said, Dr. Livingston, that's not a stick. He said, that's a king's scepter. He said, the king has given you his scepter, and now you are able to go anywhere in our country and show them that stick, that scepter, and you will have access to anything. He said, Dr. Livingston, simply if you want a goat, just go pick one out. He said, if you want a cow, just go and pick one out. If you want access into a country, just make your way and show them the scepter. Church, listen to me. God's given you a scepter. You are kings and priests. God has said what you want, you can have ask in the name of my son, Jesus Christ. Ask according to my will and through the blood of Jesus. And so many times we sit back and go, God, why'd you take my goat? Why'd you take my goat and give me this old stick? So many Christians today are looking back at their old life and missing the old sinful things, not realizing you got a scepter. God's got so much more for you. God's not taken from you. God has given unto you. Last of all is that you're a priest. Not only are you a king, you're a priest. And you know what that means? Is that you don't run around with some kind of authority over the sins of someone declaring your sins are forgiven and yours ain't. That's not what we do. That's not our position. You know what that means is? It's just like the priest. We've got to seek salvation for ourselves first. Just like the true Old Testament priesthood, Brother Adam, it's not because you're, you're a priest now and God declared that, that you don't have to have forgiveness of your sins. You've got to offer forgiveness of your sins before you can go out and help somebody else with theirs. The second thing is, is that we get to be the privileged ones, Brother John, to offer salvation unto other people. We have opportunities just every single day of our life. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're little. Sometimes they're like tonight at the 50. And you have an opportunity to show yourself as the priest of God, priest and priestesses of our Lord and Savior, you have that opportunity to offer salvation to people. The last thing is this. You don't get to observe it. You Christians that are just sitting on a pew and riding a pine all the way to heaven, you need to wake up. God's not called you to observe salvation. He's not called you to sit back and just look at it. No, a priest is someone that presents their bodies a living sacrifice. Every day, Brother Edward, that priest had to wake up early before the others got up. 
every night he was the last one. It reminds me of uh, Hal Moore's statement that he said, I'll be the first on the battlefield, General Hal Moore, and I'll be the last off the battlefield. We need some of you today to realize that you're not a priest to sit back and observe things. Come to church and just go, ah, that was a good service, or that wasn't too good. No, you're called to serve. You're called to present your bodies. Paul explained it. Present your body the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's time the priest. It's time the priestesses. It's time the royal people of God stand up and look like a priest and a king, a daughter, and a son of an almighty God who is the greatest, greatest leader. There's no tribal leader above him. There is no scepter that David Livingston could have gotten that would have given him any more access than what he had. That's all what you got. So did you just come to sit on it? No. We got to be servants. And in being a servant, we've got to present our lives. There's a lot of Christian women that need to cover up. There's a lot of Christian men you need to get up. You need to wake your stinking selves up. You're driving down the road. You're letting your wife drive. You're asleep at the wheel. You want to hold the wheel. You're asleep and she's trying to drive. You need to wake up. Get our behinds, our sorry behinds. Dads, men, get our sorry behinds up and go, you know what? I'm going to lead my family the way God would want me to lead. He's given me a king scepter and I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to help them to know Jesus. And whenever I'm done, I want them to look more like Jesus than they look like me. Amen. Time that we do that. Let's stand. Come on, Andrew. Father, this is your words, your spirit. God, these are your people. Lord, we just give opportunity at this time. We can't beg, plead, can't try to buy them down here or to get them or coax them into speaking to you. Since they're your people, and it was your words, from your word of God, then Lord, we'll let you deal with it. I'll let you deal with all of us. God, when I say that, Lord, I know and you know, and I hope these people understand, I'm not saying, God, get them, deal with them. Lord, I stand here as a priest myself, as a king, as a son of God myself, knowing, knowing my sins and having confessed my sins and dealing with who I am before I could ever help somebody else with who they are. Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to us this morning. God, that they'd take people that are lethargic, apathetic, those that are just lazy or asleep, pray, Lord, they'd wake up. God, wake them up. Stir them up. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to realize who we represent. And that we will, when we wear our Christian t-shirts, and we go to our Christian concerts and do all these things, we think that that's enough. Will you please remind us again and again and again that wearing the T-shirt and having the scepter is not enough unless we know how we're supposed to use it. God, help us today in the Christ's name, Jesus Christ's name. Lord, please help. Andrew's going to sing. Lord, with your head bowed, church, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, would you come? If you want to speak to him today, there's some that are already here. You want to come and speak to the Lord today, you come.